haze. Master you in luck, cause up your sleeves you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now, it's heavy ammunition in your can. You got some punch, damn! You got who and how, say all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Lancer, what will your pleasure be? If you take your order, jot it down, you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Manny Manuel. And I'm Rachel Corp. Hello, Rachel. Welcome back. Hey, Manny. Good to be back. Thank you once again for stepping in for Sam, who is, again, still on his sabbatical from the podcast. <laughs> as he takes a little breather. So I uh, truly appreciate you stepping up yet again to fill in for my good friend's uh, co-hosting duties. It's my pleasure. Wicked. Lot to talk to, lot to talk to you about tonight. We have some, uh, some tributes we'd like to uh, send out to some people that passed away. We have some movies we've been watching as well as our uh, main review of the film we are here, Aladdin. But before we get started on Aladdin, we have some sad news as uh, three members of our film community passed away this, uh, this past week. And uh, while some of them mean a little bit more to me than to you, I still want to give them a shout out. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Uh, the first one is Olivia Newton-John, who uh, passed away recently. She had a big impact on a lot of people basically really only for one film and that was uh her uh role as sandy in the film adaptation of the play grease are you a, a grease fan i am um i'm a big grease fan um i used to watch it all the time when i was little and used to sort of take turns me and my sister would take turns being different people in greece and yeah the whole thing i uh, i'm a big fan i actually also really like greece too greece too that doesn't surprise me that you'd like greece too yeah i know no i'm i know that there's i know i know sam is one who's got some problems with greece and, and there's it's problematic for sure in hindsight but at, when i was little that movie meant a lot to me oh for sure i I haven't watched Grease in a long time, and I always thought Olivia Newton-John was a uh, absolutely beautiful woman. But uh, yeah, she, she is was. That's really the only major impact she had on me. I know she had a pretty big music career, but I really wasn't that big of a fan. But even though she didn't have a lot of major film roles the impact of her one big starring vehicle in Greece uh, can't be denied. So I, I wanted to uh, wish her well. It would be uh, remiss of me, even though I doubt he's even listening uh, with Olivia Newton-John's passing. I do have to mention uh, her role as Kira in the movie Xanadu. That's for Ray. Ray Xanadu is in his top 20 of all time. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but it's uh, one of his favorite films. So Aww. giving giving Ray a little shout-out for, uh, for Xanadu, Olivia Newton-John. Uh, the next person 
uh, I want to pay tribute to is uh, Paul Servino. He is best known for uh, the role of Polly in Goodfellas, which is just an incredible performance. And I also like him. He has a, a one. He has one scene in the movie The Firm as Tommy, again another mob boss. He also, uh, I think he was on for one or two years on Law and Order. He's just he was just a really solid actor. His best performance is uh, in Goodfellas as Pauly, but uh, he passed away as well. Someone that you couldn't quite place when I mentioned his name, apparently. No, yeah, I couldn't quite place. I've only like, shamefully, I've only seen Goodfellas, I think twice, and I just it's been a long time, and I can't place him. Law and Order, I thought maybe I that I would maybe remember, but no, I can't place him right now. That's all right. Uh, and the last person yeah. I want to pay tribute to is uh, Nichelle Nichols who played Lieutenant Uhura on the original Star Trek, as well as in the uh, Star Trek films of the original cast. Her role and her impact on pop culture is something that can't be denied. Uh, Her and William Shatner shared the first interracial uh, on-screen kiss on TV. She is the... Um, inspiration for a lot of African-American women. When she was on TV in the 60s, she was someone that was in charge. She had a high ranking, so she gave hope to a lot of people of color, letting them know that you know there was possibilities for them out there. She has a really important role in science fiction and for um for african-american women and she passed away recently as and so i wanted to uh to give her a shout out as well awesome yeah i'm not i'm not familiar with star trek too much that's fine have you watched any star but trek love, movies uh no not one like and not it maybe not even the chris pine ones Nope. Interesting. Huh. They're not for me. That's fair. That's fair. I, no. Yeah. But I love I love what you said about her. I love that. I love the, the interracial kiss part. I love um, being a role model. That's awesome. Yeah. She was a, a massive role model for an entire, for a multitude of generations. She was, uh, she's a pretty big deal. So uh, she passed away. Um and I just want to give her a shout out. So we lost three people that all played an important role uh, in the art form that uh, that we love and obsess over. So I want to to pay them a tribute. Uh, you've been watching a couple movies, Rachel. Why don't you tell us about I, them? I have. Yeah. Uh, so I've been on holidays, and I've gotten to go to the theater a couple of times, and also still working through my ninety two. So actually, last night I just watched. Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Um, I wanted to watch it before I listened to yours and Mushy's episode. Well, that's last week's episode. So was, yeah, just so everything was fresh in my mind. I and I usually watch it like every year, year and a half or so. Um, I love that movie. Oh I yeah, love Costner. 
Oh, I do. I love Costner in that movie. I, I, I gave it a four out of five this watch. Yeah. And I don't know if I think, um, I think the character of Rachel just annoyed me a bit more this time than you. I don't know. Sometimes when I watch her, her attitude and stuff doesn't bother me. And then other times when I watch it, it like teeters between a four and a five for me because I don't think she, her arc, I don't think she turns enough for somebody like Kevin Costner to actually want to date her. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I just don't find his character would put up with her bullshit. Okay. And, um, but that being said, like that's such a minor quibble. Like I love Kevin Costner in this role. I love the, the obviously the music um, and the idea, like the body, the cultural impact it had. Um, it's nice to see Whitney Houston just at the top of her game in this role. As um, that's not the Whitney Houston we saw in later years. Yeah, um, it's. <clears throat> It's a little disheartening to see it is. what she was knowing what she becomes. Yeah, it, it it's tough. And especially in this movie, like her her voice has ne- was never better than it was at this time in her life. She never looked as good as she did at this time in her life. And she her and I and don't get me wrong, I like the character of Rachel. I think she plays the character of Rachel really well. I just think in the latter half when he does fall for her and when she does, you know, there's one, there's a scene where she really kind of succumbs to realizing that she needs his help. But then she goes back and forth still a few more times after that, going back to like her bratty celebrity self that I could have was just a bit much, but at the beginning when she's just all brat, like I actually do enjoy that. It's fair. I, I, yeah. I do, I do love that movie. Um, and then, I, uh, so I went to the theater, and I saw the new Jordan Peele movie, Nope. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to say too much about that, because it's brand new, um, starring Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya, yeah. Kaluuya. Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a few other and a few other people, and I mean, he's just he's just getting better and better. Um, Jordan Peele. Is... There's no way I won't see anything that. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Sorry, there's no way I won't see everything that he puts out. I really, really enjoy his type of storytelling and his um, social thriller genre of movie that he makes. Okay. Uh, so I had a really good time with Nope. All right. Um, what did you give it? Of the, I gave it a four. Okay. And of the three movies, so Get Out, Us, and Nope, I would say they go in that order for me. All right. Uh, Get Out is a five out of five, and both Us and Nope are four out of fives. Okay. Uh, but I need to revisit Us, and then, of course, I'll want to revisit Nope. Um, Get Out and Us have a bit more of the horror aspect that I like. Yeah. Um, Nope definitely has that, but it does lean into some more sci-fi areas. Okay. Which is also cool, but I, you know, I like the horror aspects, but I had a really, really good time um, with that one. And then I also saw, I went to see Bullet Train with my man. 
<laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was so much fun. It's a really really fun movie. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, again, yeah, it's brand new, so I don't want to spoil anything. Um, Brad Pitt is his usual charismatic self on screen. The supporting characters are all fun. It's just a blast. It's just an easy watch. Super fun. That's what I've been watching. Can we actually talk about one other movie that I know you've watched? Yeah. Uh, the Lost City. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did watch that with you, too. <laughs> uh, I was really excited because I know how much you like Brad Pitt. I was really excited to hear what your thoughts on him were in that film. Oh, he... It's the best part of the movie. But, like, like, hands like, down by, the... like it's not even close. Not even close. Like, the rest of the movie doesn't even... And that's not... The movie is perfectly enjoyable. It's it's easy, light, fluffy. It's it's perfectly enjoyable. But he takes it... His time on screen, like, he just takes it to a whole other level. Like, he's so good. I The comparison I think I made in the group chat was similar to Tom Cruise when Tom Cruise was in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Like, just that amount of time steals the show and all i wanted was more of him right yeah i agree yeah 100%. yeah he he did i don't think this is a spoiler he he did show up a lot earlier than i was expecting uh-huh and uh and then i was kind of like oh he's gonna be in the whole movie <laughs> and and then he leaves the movie yeah and then he leaves the movie um, but that movie, it was, it was, it was fine. But his, his part in it is is worth the price of admission. I I agree wholeheartedly. I was, I don't want to say I was forced to go see it. I was asked by my sister, so I didn't feel I could say no. So I saw it in the theater, and I wasn't that excited to watch it. But Brad Pitt made it worth the price of admission. Yeah. The sad part is is that his incredible time on screen was almost counterbalanced by the role of the manager. Her yeah. entire her entire story arc was a complete waste of time. And well, I, I don't yeah. think I had any moments of amusement in her scenes. No, and you know what I didn't either and I I found it very unnecessary. I think if you had cut out every one of her scenes, the movie would have been better and the perfect length. I think the movie would have went up a full point if she, if her entire story arc had been cut from the film. Yeah, I didn't care for her arc either, or I or her. Period. I'm pretty sure I gave that movie a three. I think so. I think it, what I you 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 nailed it. It is a perfectly enjoyable film. It's the kind of movie that once it hits streaming. And other people watch it; they're gonna be they're gonna be happy they watched it, and then probably never visit it again. Yeah, it's like the kind of movie. It's like a blanket recommendation. You can recommend it to anyone. Yep, pretty much. And it's like you will have a good enough time with this, or if you're having, if there's a bunch of you and you're having some drinks or something, like it's it's an easy movie. It's a to it's a it's a perfect yeah. it's a perfectly enjoyable film. Yeah, yeah, and I think like I rented it. I want to say I think I got it. It was like three dollars. 
well, Brad Pitt was worth that three dollars. A hundred percent. That that's a lot less than what I paid to watch it. So you're ahead of yeah. me. Oh, uh, yeah. He God, he was so good in that. Awesome. So that's what you've been watching. Yeah. What have you been watching? All right. So uh, I too have been working on my 1992 films. So to uh, tick off uh, one of the best supporting actress nominations, I watched the 1992. Uh, drama Damage, uh, starring Jeremy Irons, Juliette Binoche, and the uh, nominated Miranda Richardson. Uh, a member of Parliament falls passionately in love with his son's fiance, despite the dangers of discovery. This movie tries to be an erotic drama. And the sad part is, is this movie comes out the same year as Basic Instinct. And this movie's love scenes are awkward and at times laughable. In There's a couple of movies that came out this same year, hey, that as Basic Instinct that just didn't that tried to do that also and maybe would have been okay had Basic Instinct not come out. <sighs> I don't think. Okay. Did Sliver come out this year? No, Sliver's Sliver's next year. Sliver's the follow up. Sharon Stone's follow up to Basic Instinct. Oh. Sliver came out the following year. Was... Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. There isn't a... but uh, more sexy uh, movies in the. Oh, Basic Instinct reinvigorates the sexy erotic thriller. Right, so it's everything that came after. So yeah. probably, I'm probably thinking of 93 movies. Yeah, like Body of Evidence comes out in 93, Sliver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sliver. Uh, no, 92 okay. Basic Instinct reinvigorates the erotic thriller. This, is, yeah, this, is, this isn't a thriller. This is a drama, but it, it's supposed to be sexy, and it is not. It, like, they're... It's like the hardest thing to watch, eh? It's... Things are supposed to be sexy and they're not. That's hard to watch. Like I, I would love for you to watch this just to see how awkward their sex scenes are. Like it, it's I I I'll, off the top of my head, this is top five most awkward sex scenes. <laughs> they are they are not moving the way people do during sex. They are doing these incredibly weird positions that don't look like they would actually do anything for either partner. Their reactions to their touches to one another is ridiculous and absurd. It it was at, at times hard to watch. Like you're just you're looking at they're like what like what were you thinking? And what makes it even more incredibly bad is like I said, it's the same year as Basic Instinct, which I'm gonna have to say maybe the best sex scenes of all time. Yeah, and it's just, and it oozes sexiness. Yes, yeah, this does start not to finish. The only thing this oozes is laughability during the sex scenes. The rest of the film is actually somewhat enjoyable, a little dry. So as I'm watching it, I'm like, wow, I'm like, this is not quite what I had hoped for. And then the ending comes, the climactic last act. Rachel, I had my hands over my mouth, gasping at what I saw. Really? I was just like, oh my god. 
<laughs> and like in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. It 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 the ending is so much better than the rest of the movie. It saved the movie from a failing grade. Wow. Now I'm not gonna recommend this to movie. I'm not gonna recommend it. I, I can't recommend it, even though it did get a three out of five for me. But that three out of five is because the ending. Hmm. Otherwise, it's a two. It's a two for about eighty-five percent of the film. <laughs> and then the ending comes, and I was like, "Okay, you saved yourself, but barely." But the acting, hmm. the acting is pretty decent. Sadly, what well, I shouldn't say sadly. As we know, <laughs> Hollywood did not have any good roles. I shouldn't say any. Very few good roles for women. And as I've been traveling back in time doing these films, especially for supporting characters, I'm starting to notice that the supporting actress nominations are a little underserved. And then they have one incredible scene... And that gets them the nomination. Yeah. Like Emma Thompson in 1993 for In the Name of the Father. Yeah, Name of the Father. She does nothing, and then she has one incredible scene. One. And she gets a nomination. And that's the same yeah. thing here with Miranda Richardson. She is just fine throughout the film. You don't know. And I'm watching her, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm like, Wow. I'm like, was it really that shitty of a year? And then she has this one scene at the end. You're like, oh, fuck. There you go. There's your Oscar moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Damage, three out of five. But I'm not going to recommend people to watch it. Unless, you know, someone like yourself who wants to be a completionist. Uh, it's, yes. Then it's worth checking out. It is ju it's just under two hours, so it's not, it's not a big commitment. But uh, I like that. If you uh, if you want to watch a movie where you're like, wow, those are some pretty awkward love scenes, and then see an end, <laughs> see an ending that is that takes a really incredible turn. That it, it's not like it's not a twist ending. Like it's nothing like that. Just the way it wraps up the film. I don't know. You're kind of selling it to me. All right, like well, something I would watch. All right. <laughs> I, well, I hope I hope you give it a chance. I I do hope. Yeah, I might. All right. Cool. When you do, let me know because then I I can talk okay. then I can talk about the ending because I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, the next 1992 movie was one that I was super excited to rewatch. Unfortunately, the only thing about it is that it's the wrong time of year to watch this film, and this is the Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet yeah, characters tell their the... the Muppet characters tell their version of the classic tale of an old and bitter miser's redemption on Christmas Eve, starring Michael Caine, and of course the Muppets. I loved this film growing. Oh, I shouldn't say growing up because I was seven. Well, I was seventeen when the movie came out. Uh, I've always been a fan of the Muppets, and this I've watched this well over twenty times in my life. But it's easily been 10, 15 years since I've watched this. No way. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't oh, really. I watch it every Christmas. I cannot wait for Christmas this year because uh, me and Maya are going to be watching this for sure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And 
I had a really good time. The thing that I was enjoying the most was, like I said, it's easily been over a decade. And like I said, probably closer to 15 years since I've last watched this film. I remembered all the words to all the songs. <laughs> I, I was singing along and I was so happy that I remembered them. I had a great time. The Muppets are an absolute treat. The things that those puppeteers can do with their creations, the way they make those felt puppets come alive with personality, with their movement, with their voices, is an absolute fucking treat. I yeah. love these movies. And uh, The Muppet Christmas yeah, Carol. just pure joy. Yeah. Uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol uh, didn't quite live up to what my memory was. I did only give it a three, but this is a movie I will be adding into my rotation, especially with my daughter. Uh, I had a really great time with The Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I'm so glad. The next movie I want to talk about is just one that I just want to give a quick shout out to. Uh, my daughter made me watch it. It is the, uh, the Disney series Zombies, and this was Zombies 3. The reason I want to give this film a shout-out is uh, I, I have watched all three of the Zombies series. Uh, my daughter loves these movies. What I like about these movies, the zombie franchise, uh, is twofold. One, the song and dance numbers, the songs are okay. The dancing is actually really good. And so watching the choreography uh, is always enjoyable for me. So it, it, it saves itself in regards to that. What I really like about these movies is the messages that it's sending. The entire... Have you heard of these movies, Rachel? Yeah, well, uh, only from the podcast. Only okay. from you talking about the other ones. And then also, um, when I do chores... I generally will listen to Disney Yeah. when I do chores. And sometimes I'll listen to like a Disney channel through my television. Yeah. And some of the songs from the shows will come on. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so I, you I've listen heard, to like, like Disney I've songs. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I've heard like a, a couple of songs from the zombie movies. Okay. I, I don't know who any of the characters are. I just know that they're from that movie. Okay. So this movie it teaches all about inclusion and to not judge a person by their looks or their economic status or their social standing. This movie is all about don't judge a book by its cover. Get to know somebody before you, before you make an opinion on them. And it really hits that home. And oh, that's so good. It's, it's an amazing message that these movies put together. And they do it in such a perfect way that you, as an adult, you're fully aware of what you're seeing. But as a child, I bet you it really kind of subliminally gets in there. Like, they do it so well. That's so cool. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to uh, touch on is the lead character, uh, Zed, uh, played by Milo Mannheim. Uh, it's Cameron Mannheim's son. If you know who Cameron Mannheim is. 
I think she she was I think she's most famous. She had a uh, a pretty big role I think on the the TV show The Practice. Anyways, my lawyer show? A TV show. Yeah, Practice and that was Lawyers, right? Yeah. Anyways, uh Milo is really charming. He's a really good dancer. And so I enjoy watching him. But these movies are obviously for children and they're not at they're not at that like even though this is made by disney this movie's not made for all ages it's not like a zootopia where there's adult humor and adult stuff put in there so the parents aren't rolling their eyes while watching this this is made for young kids and while i'm not killing myself for watching it this is a type of movie I would never watch without my daughter. So right. it gets a two out of five, but I wanted to mention it because if there's any parents out there whose kids haven't watched the zombie series, I highly recommend it. If your kid is under the age of 10, then they should be watching the zombies. Cute. Next up is a movie I went to watch pretty much expecting to not really like it as his movies have generally at least his latest movies tend to be uh, disappointing to me and that's uh, Michael Bay's Ambulance uh, oh. starring Jake Gyllenhaal Yahya Abdul-Mateen II uh, and Isa Gonzalez the plot two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry Ambulance. So Michael Bay spent a decade making shitty Transformer films. With a couple other movies thrown in there. I think like Pain and Gain and 13 Hours. 13 Hours is actually a really good movie. Um, yet again, Michael Bay just casts an extremely attractive woman to play a role without really trying to worry too much if she has enough talent. I'm looking at you, Megan Fox. While, <laughs> while you're easy on the eyes, you're not exactly uh, a, a cinematic genius. Isaac Gonzalez is at least fairly capable. She's not outright bad, but she's, she's not good. Jake Gyllenhaal is having the fucking time of his life in this movie. The problem with this movie is that you're Funny. not sure who you're supposed to be rooting for. It, so it's not Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's a bad guy. It's a bad guy. Oh, I like that. The thing is, is that Jake Gyllenhaal's also... He makes some decisions where you're like, oh, okay. So Jake Gyllenhaal like has a soul. He he's he's not a, a a complete psychopath. And then he does other things. You're like, okay, that's not a cool thing to do, Mr. Gyllenhaal. You're kind of a piece of shit. So I guess I'm not cheering for you. <laughs> they can't seem to find the right tone with him, with his character. Okay. But goddamn, he was having fun. The whole time you're watching, you're like, ooh, Jake. Jake took a paycheck and then had the time of his life. 
The one I thing, like that though. Yeah, I know. The one thing I want to point I mean, out. He does that. The one thing I want to give credit to Michael Bay for, Michael Bay definitely knows how to stage action. While it might be incomprehensible and you have no idea on the geography of what's going on, at least he knows how to film it and make it look good. The one thing he does here that is hmm, very noticeable, with the advent of drone cameras, we're getting far too many drone shots. And yeah. they tend to be standard and kind of boring not the case with michael bay he decides to push drone footage to another level and some of the things he does with the drones in this were quite memorable he makes that oh, camera cool. yeah it it was cool to see so for someone for people that enjoy cinematography don't get me wrong the film actually doesn't look that great i don't know what they were using but it doesn't look that good but the things he does with the drone footage uh, is pretty awesome. Other than that, this movie was forgettable. It, it's a movie that I will never want to watch again. It just wasn't put together well enough for me to want to watch this. It was far too long. It's 2 hours and 16 minutes. It does not need oh, to be, what? Yeah, it does not need to be that long. You could oh. you could take out a half hour of this film easily. I was just gonna say I have it on my watch list just I, for an easy action movie. But I I was expecting it to be like an hour yeah, like an hour forty five. Yeah, an hour an hour forty five would have been a, a really great length. But I one hundred percent can tell you I felt the length of this movie. There's like this entire third act that comes out of nowhere that makes no sense. It's, oh, I'm going to have a hard time with that. It's, it's, you're just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going here? Uh, yeah, it was... Michael Bay tries to be funny as well uh, in regards that he... The characters and this movie actually reference other Michael Bay films. <laughs> you have two characters in this movie that talk about the movie The Rock. He's trying to be cute, and I'm sorry yeah. it doesn't work. Didn't work, hey? No. I'm just like, mm, Michael, no. No, sir. No. you, you, Your writing isn't good enough to pull this off. Yeah. Like... It's so bad, kind of like the main character in this movie is played by Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. His character's name is William Sharp. For Michael Bay fans, they will also know that William Sharp is the character that Will Fickner played in Armageddon. It's the exact same name. Oh. You, you don't need to use the same name of a character from one of your other movies, Michael Bay. There no. are there are literally millions of names out there. You can definitely change that last name or the first name. No reason to reuse a name from a character you've had in one of your other films. No reason. Zero. Zero reason. Anyways. So, yeah. Ambulance, two out of five. Two out of five. Another movie that I'll be honest, I actually wasn't that excited to watch, but I wanted to watch it to see 
uh, a dramatic retelling of a true life event. Because I actually don't know the details of this uh, pretty incredible thing that happened a few years ago. The movie I'm talking about is 13 Lives. And it's the movie, uh, a rescue mission is assembled in Thailand where a group of young boys and their soccer coach are trapped in a system of underground caves that are flooding. Do you remember this, Rachel? Nope. You don't remember the, the, no. the, 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 the young boys that were trapped in the cave while it was flooding? No, what year was this? Uh, wow, what year was this? I would have, um, four years ago, 2016? Or... 2018, oh, no, sorry? I don't. No? Okay. Well, oh, it, I do not remember. Okay. So these, uh, this, this group of young boys, I, there was 12, 12 boys and, and, their, and their soccer coach. They went for a hike in a cave, and a uh, monsoon hits Thailand and completely floods this cave, trapping them. And Jesus they are – this is a true story. And so the movie tells – on how these divers dive in this cave to try and, at first, uh, this isn't a spoiler, it's true life, to at first find the bodies. And after several attempts, they finally find them, and they're shocked to find them alive. But now, instead of recovering the bodies, they have to try and figure out how they're going to get these kids out of this cave. Now... If you don't understand diving, you might be like, well, just give them an oxygen mask. Well, it's a six-hour swim through an intricate cave tunnel that only incredibly experienced divers can make. And so this movie chronicles on their struggles to find them and how they're going to try and get them out and all the other people that come from around the world to try and help save these 13 lives. So like a whole bunch of different people with different expertise, like probably like blowing up rock and yep, like all of that kind of thing. Yep. Cool. This movie was really, really good. And it was a nice, even though it's like not, um, not like award worthy performances. The two main leads are two or one actors that I fucking love. That's Colin Farrell. Oh, oh, and, I like him too. And another one that everybody really likes that I pretty much enjoy most of the time, and that's Viggo Mortensen. And They're the coaches? No, they are the divers. Divers? Yep. And so since it's not a spoiler, since it was a true event, yeah. the happy ending? Yes. For everybody? They rescued all 13 people. And you will not believe how they did it. It is incredible. <laughs> oh, cool. Now, the movie is, it's one of the longer ones. It's, it's two and a half hours long. But knowing it's a true story and watching what yeah. these people had to do to make this happen, it flew by pretty good. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Okay, it is also, on... It's, I don't... Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. Sorry, you were saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I don't do caves. Then... I am not... Then be prepared to feel uncomfortable because you won't believe some well, of the stuff. Well, and it's like, 
it's funny because I, I'm not claustrophobic. Yeah. But it's 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 caves specifically, whether it's like underwater caves, so like scuba diving caves or like walking into caves where there's bats and I'm not afraid of bats or anything like that, but I just I don't like caves. Okay. Have you seen the movie The Descent? Um, no. It's a horror movie that you should check out. Alright. Alright, and the last movie I want to talk about is a movie that I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. It's the action-adventure film Prey. It is a oh. prequel to Predator. The origin story of the Predator in the world of the Comanche Nation 300 years ago. Nauru, a skilled warrior, fights to protect her tribe against one of the one of the first highly evolved Predators to land on Earth. This is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. Have you seen that movie? No. Dan Trachtenberg is a filmmaker who I completely enjoy. I think I've only seen his two films, this and 10 Cloverfield Lane. I'm just going to quickly check his other filmography. I know he does a bunch of TV, like he's directed a couple episodes of The Boys and Black Mirror. Um, yep, his only two films are 10 Cloverfield Lane and Prey. There's a Waterworld TV series coming? Oh, sweet Jesus, I'm in. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he's done one episode of Black Mirror and one episode of The Boys. He He's now done two films, 10 Cloverfield Lane and Prey, and I love them both. I'm a fan I'm a fan of the Predator. I'm not a fan of the Predator franchise. The Predator franchise as a whole is absolutely fucking atrocious. Sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulties, but uh, we're back. Uh, what I was saying just before uh, we our call got split up there, Rachel, is I love the Predator. I hate the franchise films. The... Right. I think this is the seventh film, so Predator, Predator 2, Predators, The Predator, and two AVPs. So, the, yeah, this is the seventh. This is the seventh film. Out of those seven, I haven't seen Predators. The first one is fucking fantastic. The second one is okay. Yep. The second one is okay. Predators, I haven't seen. The two Alien vs. Predator films are fucking garbage. The yep. Predator is a fucking atrocity. And this was one of the most entertaining films I've watched this year. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to it. I I was trying to decide if I should watch the first Predator Have again. You see I oh. haven't seen it. There, You do not need to. Don't need to. I just wondered, would you? Like, I haven't seen the first Predator in years and years. No need. No need? Okay. No need. You can if you want to. Like, I'm not going to stop. I just thought so it was like a fun double bill, but... It would be a it would be a, a fun double bill. If you want a double bill, go right ahead. But you don't need to. And you would do, you wouldn't do this one first. You would do even though it's the prequel. You would do it second. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This movie was, as I was watching it, 
obviously these are two incredibly different films. But Rachel, this reminded me the exact feeling I got when I watched Long Shot. I'm watching it, I'm like, this is way better than I was expecting. Oh my god, I'm having a good time. Holy fuck, this is really well made. This movie was a fucking blast. I am so sad that this was not released in movie theaters. I am devastated because watching this on the big screen with a crowd would have been amazing. I am so saddened that I couldn't enjoy this movie with a bunch of other people. It would have been a fucking delight. I had such a great time with this movie. I will be pushing everybody to watch it as soon as they can if they like action adventure or sci-fi. This movie is fucking awesome. Absolute awesome. It's currently a 4 out of 5 for me. I bet you on my rewatch it gets bumped to a 5. This oh, awesome. This will easily make my top 10 of 2022. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Prey, four out of five with the highest of recommendations from me. All right. All right. That's everything I've been watching. Hopefully there's some in there that intrigue you. Sounds like uh, Damage and Prey might be up there for you. Maybe, yeah. Maybe even 13 yeah. Lives, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I'll, I, I know I will watch 13 Lives. Wicked. There is a, um, there is a documentary like an actual documentary on that thing on um, the National Geographic <clears throat> site of Disney Plus as well. I haven't watched it, but I heard it's absolutely spectacular. Oh, cool. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into our main review, and that is Aladdin. Released November 25th, 1992, directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. Written by Ron Clements and John Musker, as well as Ted Elliott and Terrio, oh, Terrio, Terry Rossio. Starring Scott Weiniger, Robin Williams, and Linda Larkin. Has a Metascore of 86. Uh, it won two Oscars. It won Best Original Song for A Whole New World and Best Original Score. It had three other nominations for Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Original Song for A Friend Like Me. It had a budget of $28 million. And it grossed 217 in the U.S. and $504 million worldwide. Where do you think that ranked in 1992? As in, as in, where in the rankings of 1992 films does Aladdin sit? Top ten, top uh, five. I think, but I know the answer. What's Number the answer? Uno. Number one. This was the highest-grossing film of the year. <laughs> the plot: a kind-hearted street urchin and a power-hungry grand vizier for a ma- vie for a magic lamp that has the power to make their deepest wishes come true. Rachel, the movie is 30 years old. Why don't you give us your spoiler-free thoughts on Aladdin? And if you can remember, recount your first time seeing this film. Yeah, I definitely... um, So my first time seeing the film uh, would have been in theaters with my family. I would have been... I would have just turned 12 uh, because my birthday is November 2nd, um, 1980. So yeah, I would have just turned 12. Uh, I remember the hype around the movie, and I do remember going to theaters to see it. Um, for me, I I think Aladdin is probably the most fun Disney movie. 
um, especially if we're talking about the 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 10-year renaissance film that it, that it's a part of but even if i were to look at disney as a whole i i actually think aladdin is probably for me it's the most fun disney movie that there is um it's so light-hearted it's so much fun to watch um it has probably um again i'm, I'm just going to speak in renaissance film terms because there's just too many other movies you need this but for the renaissance films like i think the supporting cast of characters um all the sidekicks i think it's probably the best group as a whole of the sidekicks um the themes the themes are there you know honesty and trust and being yourself and uh if you want to get a little bit deeper like going into the ideas of confinement in terms of social status and structure versus freedom but they don't it's like they were testing the waters with aladdin to see where they were going to go with lion king because some of the same themes sort of come up with familiar ob- familial obligation when it comes to jasmine and i would say even with the aladdin is the first one that we see of those films where they really start doing animation of like these huge landscapes um which which are so beautiful to look at the songs are so catchy they i love the songs in aladdin um aladdin is also my he was my crush of of like the disney boys um he i think he's the most interesting he's clever and cunning um he obviously has more to do than like all the princes did um but he he was my crush and um and then i mean i know we're going to be talking about it a lot um robin williams as the genie i i i don't think there's he it's my favorite voice acting performance ever Whoa. and he takes and he takes he takes it to takes when he when the genie shows up on screen the movie goes to a whole other level of enjoyment does it go to a whole new um, world <laughs> yeah, there you go. I can't i didn't say that i blew it it, it really does and um i mean we'll get into it when we sort of go through the movie but robin williams it was sort of he sort of started the whole big star celebrity people getting attached to voices. I know Angela Lansbury was the year before, but she's not the same level of fame as not Robin even, Williams. It's not even close. And and he started this whole that we that we're still doing. Like he trailblazed that of getting big names to do animated projects. And yeah, I love this movie and I can't wait to talk about it. I'm about 95% sure I saw this in theaters. I would have been 17 at the time. And I'm fairly certain I did, but I couldn't think of why I would want to go. I wasn't really big into Disney animation because we're only, what, two two years away from the Beauty and the Beast. No, one. Beauty and the Beast is 91. Yeah. And Little Little Mermaid's 90, right? So Little Mermaid's 89. 89, okay, so. Rescuers Down Under is 90. Beauty and the Beast is 91, Aladdin's 92. Okay. I don't think I've seen The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, it's really cute. Well, of course you'd say that. 
yeah, I would. So, I don't think, yeah, who knows? I'm pretty sure I did. I might have gone to see it just because of Robin Williams. I was just going to say, I would say for you, it would probably be more about Robin Williams. Well, anyways, I was blown away how good it was. Yeah. And for the longest time, and by longest, I mean five years. Uh, I was just going to say five years. It five, was your favorite. It was my fa It was my favorite animated movie until 1997 comes along. And so it's probably to this day still my favorite 2D animated film. Probably. I'd have to really sit down and crunch a list together. But definitely back then it 100% was. And I've watched this movie fuck, countless times. It's a it's an hour and a half. Like you can crush you yeah. can, I can watch this four times in a night if I wanted to. It's so short. And that was one of the things I enjoyed on this rewatch was seeing how tight the movie is and how well put together it is and how crisp it moves along. Uh, yeah, Robin Williams, let's be honest, Robin Williams is what makes this movie so good. This movie yeah. wouldn't be the classic it is without him in it. You stating that he starts the trend of getting big stars to do these voice roles uh, can't be uh, emphasized enough. This really does start the whole thing that we see to this day. It's pretty rare that any major role in an animated film is voiced by anyone that we don't know. Yeah. Like, if you look at Toy Story, all of the toys the minor players are all voiced by actors or actresses that we know. Now, you might not yeah. know them by name, but you take a look at their face, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that person. Yeah, he's like, from such and such. Or, yeah, or... like Bo Peep is, is played from Toy Story, is played by the secretary from Ghostbusters. So they're all... Yeah, he's got the guys from Cheers. Yeah, John Ratzenberger. And yeah, it's... This movie is what starts that precedent, and it just blows up. Now... Good thing, bad thing, who knows? Good thing is we get these incredible performances. Bad thing is we don't get to discover anybody. I would say the voices of all the people that came before this are just as iconic. We just don't know who they are. The voice yeah. the voice actress the, the voice actor for Sebastian is one of one of my favorite voice actors. I couldn't tell you his name. The actress that yeah. the actress that played Little Mermaid, iconic. I, I know her name's Jody. I don't know what her last name is. Same mm -hmm. with same with Belle. Belle probably might be my favorite Disney princess. Couldn't tell you who played her. But the performance is still fucking spectacular. So yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Considering that I enjoy a lot of animated films, I will say it's a good thing. So selfishly, this movie starts the trend of us getting well-known names doing these performances. Unselfishly, it also means that a lot of lesser-known people that could use a job like this aren't getting it. Yeah. So, no, for sure. Whatever you want to put it. Uh, let's get into the movie. 
I'll take yeah. us in to Aladdin. We're going to spoil this 30-year-old animated classic. So if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Spoilers for Aladdin in three, two, one. Uh, go fuck yourself. The movie starts off with a song that has a little controversy. It's called Arabian yeah. Nights. I remember the original. I do too. I actually, to be honest, I I was trying to remember. I was like, do I always sing it with the original line? I and just don't really pay attention. I don't remember if I do or don't. But I do know that I don't think they changed the lyrics until about the turn of the century. Because my VHS... Yeah, like it was... My VHS had the original lyrics. But I'm pretty sure my DVD... Oh, speaking of which... I've got the special edition box set. You do? Why don't we open it up and see what treats we have inside? Yeah. All right, so here you go. Oh, there you go. Can I get a good look at it? Ooh. All right, so yeah. a tradition I started with Sam is opening up these box sets that I have. All right, so comes with two-disc special edition Aladdin. Now, this is the DVD, not the Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Let's see. Lots of cool stuff in there. What's in here? Okay, we'll open that up after. Comes with a book. Diamond in the Rough. Let's okay, see what's in here. Hey, cool. Let's see. Is it... Oh! Oh. Okay. So the book itself... Oop, let's take this off. Ah. All right. Ooh, what's... It's got a storybook in it. Okay, well, it actually tells the story of Aladdin in there. And then it goes into... Ooh. The making of. It's got some concept drawings. Oh, cool. All right. And at the end, it says it has some games. So, yeah, it's also the story of Aladdin. So, the storybook edition of Aladdin. And, yeah. Looks like it tells the making of. I probably should have read this before uh, we came on here. <laughs> All right, so that's cool. All right, let's check out what we've got in here. Ooh, oh. <laughs> There's some treats in here. Whoa. All right. So I got my, obviously, my certificate of authenticity. Love it. All right. Oh, what are these? Uh, let's see. Print reproductions of original portrait drawings. All right. So here is Aladdin. Cool. All right. Next up, of course, is the ever-beautiful Jasmine. All right. I know this isn't making great for an audio podcast, but uh, Rachel's enjoying it, so that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I really am. I know she is. So it's, it's this is for Rachel. Everyone else can fast forward. All right. Next up, Abu. Oh, I love him. All right. Next up. Is this a twofer? Might be a twofer because it looks like it's the genie and the carpet. Oh, cool. All right. 
be very evil Jafar. Oh yeah. Alright. And then Iago. <laughs> and lastly, the Sultan of Agrabah. <laughs> so cute. Alright, and the last thing I have. Something I always love that they put in these special editions is an actual frame of the film. Oh, cool. Now I can see. You can't see. It's very hard to see on camera. But as soon as I hold it up to the light, the picture I have, I have frame number 162, 735. And it is a frame of uh, Aladdin and Jasmine on the magic carpet during a whole new world. I'll wow. I'll see if I can. Uh, oh, you can kind of see it. Can you kind of see it? I can see, I can see like the outline of it. Yeah. That's so cool. You get that with every single special edition? No. Some of the special editions, like what's, I'm trying to think of, uh, like one of the other ones I that came with it was uh, Schindler's List came with one. And I think. That's really cool. I think Snow White came with one. Yeah. All right. I always forget to. I sometimes forget to do that when I have the special editions. Okay, let's pack this back up and then get into the film itself. All right, there we go. All right, little. Uh, that was for that was for Rachel. For the listeners, they probably don't. That give was a so shit. cool. Thank you. They probably they probably don't give a shit. Okay. Um, your thoughts on the song Arabian Night? I enjoy Arabian Nights. Like, controversy aside, it's a great opening song. You get some exposition dump at the end there mm -hmm. uh, when he tells the story. It's a, I, it's a great opening. I agree. Uh, I really, I. So love we... knowing that it's our man, it's our guy, Robin Williams. Yep. The I don't does what is it does the opening character even have a uh, a name I can't I don't think so right I don't think so yeah I don't think so so the song starts us off lets us know where we are and then we're introduced to a character played by Robin Williams pretty much without a name the. He gives us some exposition setting up the story. He's going to be the storyteller, even though there's no voiceover, but he's the one telling us the story. Uh, the moment I remember in the theater where I realized I was in the presence of genius is the come closer joke. <laughs> when he tells... Yeah, when he tells them, uh, tells the audience to come closer, and the camera zooms in, and there's a virtual camera, and it smooshes his face, and he's like, "Too close, too close." I was like, "This movie is gonna be awesome." Yeah. From here, we meet our villain, Jafar and Iago. I love Gilbert Gottfried. He passed away this year as well. Yeah, he did. Always, I, I oh. can't imagine any other person's voice that would be more perfect for a sarcastic and menacing parrot. Well, like, be, what a perfect pairing. Uh, it was. Uh, I 
when we get to the end, uh, we do have some uh, other people that were up for the role of Iago, so it'll be interesting to see what you think. Uh, yeah. And both of the two other choices were interesting. We'll see, uh, we'll see what you think when we get there. Uh, yeah, Jafar, one of my favorite Disney villains. I really, yeah, me too. I really like, I really like him. I like his motivation, and I really like the. What's the best way to describe it? The look of the character. Yeah, he is very towering uh, and intimidating. His voice is perfection. Yeah. Um, I hate. I love and hate his long, creepy hands. Yeah. Especially when he's like touching jasmine mm -hmm. and his hands is like the, the size of her whole body yep but i i find jafar like even like when he's as a person snake like he's menacing the way he moves he slinks around he's yeah. also very like he's very still like he's always standing yeah. up straight he's not he's not slinking around he's always standing up straight yeah, I guess slinking around is the wrong word. I just meant more like he's just – he's able to – maybe stealthy is a bit the right word. No, that's he right. I, like, just be able to move right, yeah. I, w I wasn't picking up. What, what, I, what I meant by that is that he's never hunched over. Even though he mm. – we're in spoilers. He turns into a snake. He's never – his shoulders yeah. are never up. He's always standing tall and straight and very still. And I – Yes. It's very intimidating. It is very – he is very – a very intimidating villain and, and i like that he i like that he's smart yes um and he, he's not he's, he's just a notch down from scar like scar is is scar is much better at playing on other people's emotions and fears because jafar does rely he doesn't need to do that because he's got magic um but jafar is I do. I like that he's a smart adversary to to our pro protagonist, and especially since like it is set up that Aladdin is cunning and he's clever and he's got streetwise, so he can get himself out of sticky situations because he's street smart. So I I like their pairing against each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we uh, we find the cave of wonders. It eats Nazim. And it can only be accessed by a diamond in the rough. Cut to Aladdin. Our hero. Stealing bread. Our hero is the thief. Yeah. <laughs> Our hero is a vagabond. We also meet the uh, adorable Abu. Like, he's so cute. Now, you mentioned... I love his little Donic... Go ahead. Donic Duck no, voice. Please go ahead. Yep. <laughs> You mentioned earlier on that you feel Aladdin might have the greatest side characters. Are you I, counting? Are you counting the genie as a side character? I am. Okay, then then I can understand, because I when at first I I I don't consider the genie a side character because I think he's too important to the plot. It's it's tough because he steals the show, and and, and not on purpose, but his character he is so important like so you consider them co-leads well the, the aladdin and jasmine would be co-leads jafar's co the villain the only the only reason i don't consider 
when you say side character, this is a pers personal opinion. When you yeah, say yeah. side character, if Abu wasn't in the movie, not much changes. Without the genie, there is yes. no movie. So I don't think so the genie is okay, a so side a supporting character. character. The genie is a Maybe supporting character. Is the right the, word. The genie is a supporting character for sure. Abu, Abu is a side character. Like if okay, then I, yeah. So the language supporting that's, that's just that's just that's just me. Yeah. No, but I, and I was lumping it together because I definitely consider the genie obviously more important than I consider Abu or Carpet. I was sort of just lumping everybody other than our two leads and the villain as okay. sort of supporting slash side okay. as okay. a group. Okay. Okay. With genie at the helm. Maybe? All right. Oof. <laughs> See, just a quick rundown off the top of my head. Like, it's a tough group. And honestly, it comes down to, and I'm, I'm, I'm using Disney films only. I'm not going into Pixar because that would open up a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So if yeah. I'm thinking of Disney, the supporting slash side characters, there's always one that just raises it to another level. So then it will come down. I'll say Robin Williams obviously is head and shoulders above everybody else. Yes. But yeah. if I look at the other ones, Abu, like who, Abu, Carpet, and then who else would be a side, a, a side character that you would be including in there? I, I mean... He doesn't do it. Raja and the Sultan. Okay. So, Abu and... The, if, we're, if we're ranking supporting characters, it goes... Genie, Carpet, Abu... I would assume you're also putting in Iago, then. Oh, yeah. Iago would be in there. Okay. Genie, Iago, Carpet, Abu, Sultan, Raja would yeah. be how it yeah. goes. So, if I'm thinking of other films... Little Mermaid, like Sebastian is unfucking Sebastian. He would be right below Scuttle. Robin Williams for me, but like Flounder, Scuttle, and the well, let's him and Jetsam. Yeah, meh, whatever. Yeah, but like I don't know. He's only really got one scene, but the chef in Little Mermaid, I fucking love. He, yeah, he's really good. And then, I mean that. Me saying that, like, Little Mermaid is, is my number one movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would still say, like, as, as a whole, the group in Aladdin, I think, as a group, bring me, I get more laughs out of them. Okay. Let's play this game. Let's take out the top players on each one. You take out the genie, and you take okay. out Sebastian. Does the rest of the crew... Yeah in Aladdin stand up to the rest of the crew in The Little Mermaid. The other one I like as well yeah. is Beauty and the Beast. So yeah. you would have Lumiere is the top one for sure. Yeah. Then you would have Cogsworth. Mrs. Potts, Chip. Yeah, Mrs. Potts and Chip. The fucking footstool dog. LeFou. LeFou. I don't know. The Be dad. Beauty and the Beast might have it for me there as a, as a group. Anyways, just That's just a good group. It was it was just a statement you made. If you, you take made. out Lumiere, it, it's not as funny. But I also like, I adore Abu, and Carpet. I love I, Carpet. Yeah, I, I I love Abu. I love that Abu is just a little spaz, and everything makes him so mad. 
It's fair. It's fair. It, it's an. It's and I would also like even after, I mean, and then afterwards. So Timon and Pumbaa would, would be top tier. You take them out. Lion King. Well, then you've got the hyenas. They're also super great. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that game is too hard. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I was, I'm, I'm not. I'm not criticizing the choice because I, I. It's oh, a, no, it's, no, a, I it's an accurate thing. I was just verbalizing the other films that would be up against it. They're all. They're all number one. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. Uh, and I mean, you go to get into Pocahontas. I love Nico and uh, Percy, the no, dog and the. No, no, Pocahontas. No, is we're not even... going No, up. no, that one. That movie is. Well, it doesn't stand. It doesn't stand to these these other four, but. No, not even close. I Same with Hercules. <laughs> not happening. No, I, Hercules side characters aren't. No, it's a junk. Anything film. to it's a junk film, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Sam, I said it. Hercules sucked. I Okay, see, I really like Hercules. Yeah, I did not like it at all. Oh, I really like it. All right, let's get back onto Aladdin. Yes, we so meet... we're at one jump. One jump ahead. Yeah. Fun song. It's so fun. Absolutely I love great. that he goes into a brothel and they all know his name. Yep. That's super funny. <laughs> uh, um, we... We learn how empathetic Aladdin is. He's stolen the bread. He gets away, and just before he's about to eat it, he sees uh, some children that are worse off than him, and he gives him his bread, despite everything he and just I went think, through to get it. Yeah, and I, and I think that such an, was a, such an important little moment to put in early because the first thing we see is that the guy that we're supposed to be rooting for is a thief. Mm -hmm. So we know that his moral compass is teeters a little bit mm -hmm. but then we learn that he steals for necessity to survive and that even in that instance if there's somebody who's worse off than him he will give them what he just worked really hard for and so you you never question his like he's he's never not a good guy and it was i think it was really important and a smart move that they put that little scene in yep i agree uh, we learn that uh, numerous suitors are coming for the princess. Uh, he is yet again reminded that he is a street rat by this uh, incoming uh, want-to-be sultan. Jasmine turns down this suitor. We see that uh, Raja snacking on his underwear. <laughs> we learn she's only got three days to get married according to the law. And, and every Disney movie only has three days to do anything. Yep. That is the time frame for everything. <laughs> the We learn that she has led a very protected life. She's never been outside the palace walls. <clears throat> so she is uh, feeling trapped in her life. Now, sadly, she's trapped in a world of privilege. But they do a good job of actually making her sympathetic. Yeah, they do. Which is funny because there is a almost real life comparison in regards to Jasmine, and I don't feel sorry for this person at all. In fact, I openly despise her. And it's Who Kim, is it? Kim Kardashian. She complains about sometimes being trapped in her life, and I'm like, go fuck yourself. But Jasmine is a much better person than Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Yes, she is. Uh, 
Jafar arrives. Sultan uh, gives Iago a snack. <laughs> we uh, we also learn that the Sultan trusts Jafar, and we I would actually assume, even though that we know Jafar, we learn shortly on that he. Well, actually, I should later. We we learned here that he can hypnotize the Sultan with his staff. Despite that, even even with the hypnotism, the Sultan still is obviously aware of what Jafar asked him to do. It's yes, it, yeah. It, the the city isn't in shambles. The there's no mention that there is rampant crime everywhere. So I'd have to assume that. When Jafar's not trying to somehow further his own needs, he actually is doing a good job because Sultan says that he trusts him. He says he trusts him yeah. before being hypnotized. Yeah. So I would have to assume that Jafar is... And of course, like, if you think about it, Jafar... Well, we know Jafar wants to be Sultan, but he doesn't want to fuck over the entire kingdom that he wants to take over. Like, what's the point of that? No, yeah, he just wants to be the one with the most power. Mm -hmm. uh, Jasmine sneaks out. We uh, we don't see how she does that, but she does. Which leads us to believe that the uh, palace security is not incredibly tight. Well, we know that Raja helps her lift up on that tree and jump over the fence. Yeah, which means that it should be pretty easy for somebody to get into the palace as well. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> If she can get out without being spotted, then somebody can get in without being spotted. Their uh, security is as good as uh, Rachel's in the bodyguard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, where are we here? Uh, Aladdin sees her. Yeah. One good thing that they do in this movie is that Aladdin falls in love. He's love at first sight, so he's obviously attracted to her. But he doesn't know what's the princess. So the yeah. good thing with this is that he's in love with her, not knowing that she is incredibly rich. Yeah. Because if they had it that she that he recognized her, we would never believe that this was an actual love. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. And I love there's a few moments in the movie where they they do a really good job at at showing Aladdin falling in love with her at first sight and, and then continuing to fall more in love with her. Mm -hmm. um, he has some really cute little moments throughout the movie where he, he's talking about her or and whatever that, that I really think are so cute. She gives an apple to a little boy and then is caught and is about to have her hand amputated. This part I was kind of like, I know she lives a sheltered life, but watching it with a slightly more critical eyes, I was like, so she doesn't know how to how a marketplace works. Like she doesn't get, there's no education, there's yeah. no money. She doesn't. But then she yet. says, "I don't have any money." So she does understand that things caught like they could have done a little, little, slightly bit better writing there. It's a little privilege right there coming through. Yeah. Uh, but she's saved by Aladdin, who once again yeah. saves her through cunning, not through physical force. Yeah. Showing us that Aladdin is an incredibly intelligent man and not just a brute. Uh, Jasmine plays along. We learn 
shortly after that uh, Jafar, st stealing the ring from the Sultan, uses it to cast a spell of some sort to learn who the Diamond yeah. of the Rough is, and it is Aladdin. We also, one of the great things I love about Jasmine is that she is just as, even though she's privileged and led a privileged lifestyle, she is just as capable with the pole vault scene. Yes. Uh, absolutely love this, that she is just not a, a little, she's not a damsel to be saved. Yeah, and that, and that theme, I thought they do, they do there's, there's a scene later on too where I thought they do pretty good with Jasmine as far as Disney princesses are going of establishing that she stands her ground. She knows her, her worth beyond her, her actual worth mm -hmm. and, and those kind of things. And she, I, I do, uh, I appreciate her. With her being able to do the pole vault, we get the start of, I think it happens about four or five times in the whole movie, the jaw drop. Abu's jaw drop of her doing the pole vault <laughs> fucking kills me every time. Yeah. Uh, I'm always a fan of a jaw drop joke. Absolutely, it just tickles me pink every single time. He, uh, yeah. he tries to show off the view of the palace, and Jasmine is obviously not impressed because all she sees is a prison where he sees freedom. And I love... I love everything about this. I love that she she's so impressed with his little house that it that she's not taken aback by it yep. in any way, shape, or form. I love I love 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 when they're both talking about feeling trapped in their social status that they're in, and they're both talking about a completely different situation. But then they have those moments where they say the same things. Mm -hmm. And they look at each other, and then there's understanding. Like, I, it's, this is such a good scene. Yeah. <clears throat> they are discovered by the guards. And we get the ultimate setup. Do you trust me? Which I love. Yeah. That coupled with the, the apple elbow move. Like, just perfect little touches. Yeah. Um, it's very similar. I, I oh, really... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Have you seen the movie The Count of Monte Cristo? Ooh. With Jim Caviezel. Is that how? And Guy Pierce, and a very Guy young Pierce. and a very young Henry Cavill. Uh, maybe once years and years ago. Okay, they have a a, a setup in this as well as it's very similar. Jim Caviezel, as a nervous tick, twirls his hair in his finger, and then when he comes back as the Count of Monte Cristo, his former lover sees him do this and it triggers her to remember that it's him he used to yeah yeah i love that and i love i love that the line aladdin says is do you trust me like he's he's part obviously just asking her to trust him but part like needing her to whoever it is to say yes so that he can trust himself to, to do whatever the whatever the move is mm -hmm. uh they are captured Jasmine reveals herself, but the guards will not let Aladdin go because they are under orders from Jafar himself. Jasmine goes to confront Jafar, and he tells her that Aladdin is dead for the f crime of kidnapping the princess. Smart thinking, honestly, yep. there. Yeah. Jasmine is, of course, distraught. 
But this is a movie about Aladdin. We know he's not dead. He is alive yeah. and in prison. And Abu comes to rescue him. And then gives him the gears about falling in love. Which I love. Of course you that do. That little scene of him imitating Jasmine is it's so cute. Uh, in the cell with him is a, a creepy old man, which is Jafar and Iago together in disguise. And they, yes. they trick Aladdin to go to the Cave of Wonders. Now, what I find curious is that Aladdin is uh, shackled to the wall. Abu comes in, sets him free. How long was Aladdin in that cell? And how long was Jafar in that cell? Yeah, we got so... Well, overnight... Because they're at Aladdin's home overnight, and it's the night, and it, then it's daytime when she confronts Jafar, mm -hmm. and then it's nighttime again. Mm -hmm. So twenty-four hours, okay, at least. So <laughs> doesn't just, know. Just just being a jerk. So Jasmine confronts Jafar. So we know Jafar is not in the same jail cell as Aladdin at that point. So how does that yeah. old man get in there without Aladdin seeing him? Who cares? Magic. Who cares? <laughs> uh, they go to the Cave of Wonders. Uh, Aladdin makes his way in. He is told uh, not to touch anything except for the lamp. And he's told by the old man, a.k.a. Jafar, that once he brings the lamp, he can have whatever he wants. We meet the magic carpet. Fucking rules. My third favorite character in this movie. It's so... At the time, and I was trying to think today, I was thinking about it because I was like trying to think of when Disney has used, has given life to inanimate objects, what came before. Fantasia. When they, where, they, where they don't have faces. So Beauty and the Beast characters don't count. Fantasia. Like where is it is Fantasia? Okay. Oh, yeah. Like the bloom and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. But what a, the way that they are able to show carpets emotions through his body language using his tassels to be sort of like hands and feet like man they're so smart it's incredible uh it's so incredible you're not a marvel movie fan an mcu fan but there's a blatant ripoff of the carpet in the mcu is there yeah uh dr strange's cloak of levitation is literally the carpet come to life Oh, I, I, I mean, obviously, I've seen the, him with the cloak on. Oh, okay, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, it is a literal ripoff of the carpet. And when I saw when I saw the first Doctor Strange film, I'm like, oh my god, they're just doing the carpet. And I, I have no problem with it because I fucking love the carpet. Yeah. Oh, when it, I love when he's teasing Abu. Yep. Uh, Aladdin makes his way to the lamp. Abu is transfixed by a very large ruby. Yeah. Which triggers a trap. And we get a very incredible, at the time, jaw-dropping CGI lava-chasing them scene. That scene, you know, I, I watched it and then I rewatched it. like, And, and actually, every, any scene when they're on carpet is, is visually so stunning. Even yep. during A Whole New World and stuff like that. But that one is the best there's just specifically there 
the lava chase is unreal, but there's also one scene when they're, well, I can't remember if they're going up or down along a wall, and it is such a great shot. It's down. Um, it's down, right? And then they have to go try to go, yeah. Um, but that whole sequence, the, the attempt escape is, was jaw-dropping yep. at, at the time, and, and it was. I remember. I remember that scene being one of the, the things most talked about. Oh yeah, in the animation. At yeah, that time. it was one of the early advents of CGI into animation. Yeah, yeah, so it was good. Absolutely fantastic. They are trapped inside the cage because Jafar betrays them, and it's here that we finally meet the genie. Yay! Robin Williams. Okay, Rachel, here's your chance. Talk about your boy. Okay, so what are we? We're half an hour in. Yep. And we finally meet the genie. And so I know you know this, but for the listeners out there, so Robin Williams, he is my he's my celebrity that I miss the most. Um, there there isn't somebody that I miss as much as I miss miss Robin Williams, and. Him as the genie, I can't think of better better casting, a better, like, to see. It was like putting in, into animation everything that encapsulates Robin Williams' personality in real life. Mm-hmm. And giving him an animated form where his manic, like, quick-switching humor impressions, all of that stuff wrapped into one, into a form that can actually change into like watching what's inside his head coming to life. Like I don't, I actually don't really know how to describe what it was like seeing the genie and what it's still like seeing the genie because it just feels like it's an extension of Robin, of the Robin William-esque, Robin William-ness on and watching it on screen. And and I'm not I'm not doing it justice because I actually don't have the words to describe that. That's fair. Uh, Robin Williams uh, blows this movie up once he comes inside. Uh, up to the point, this movie has been fine and under. And I remember sitting in the theater like, you know, I'm having a pretty good time. Once the genie arrives, this movie goes to an entirely different level. Robin Williams. Totally. Spoilers for the end of the show. Robin Williams is the MVP of this movie, and oh yeah, might be the easiest MVP of a movie I've ever had to pick. He, oh, agreed. It's an absolutely tour de force, and your statement it's of like this. The be- movie goes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, please go ahead. The movie goes from being a great Disney movie to the number one grossing film of 1992. Because of this. Yeah. We get the song Friend Like Me. Yeah, we do. Robin doing many voices. The one thing I noticed on this song, not the song itself, but the kind of the dance number or whatever you want to call it, the animation number that comes along with this song. So let's just call it, for lack of a better term, terminology, the music video of Friend Like Me. Inc- obviously inspired. I didn't notice it, but it is obviously inspired by Be My Guest. Yes, yeah. I I never noticed it until watching it this time, being a little bit more critical. 
everything is over the top. It's very, yeah. there's lots of far away shots so you can see all the stuff going on. I'm like, oh my God, it's be my guest. Well, and especially like the very, the very last scene before he, he does come down with that applause sign. It's the backup and things are um, exploding exactly like they were on the dining room table. Yep. It's, not like a stage. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining because yeah. I fucking love no, that song. No. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. No, me too. Um, so the genie explains the rules of the wishes, and Aladdin yet again uses his cunning and intellect to get a free wish, and tricks him into I love escaping it. the cave. I love the first time seeing this, and and where I. I I love that Abu gives them like the little thumbs up and they know exactly where they're yep. going. Yep. And Abu's just, you know, going along, being the best little sidekick he can, getting Genie wild jazzed up about it. And yep. It's so good. And for the second time, we get a jaw drop. <laughs> yeah. So big fan of that. Um, once again, we get more... Uh, great character development or great character representation here as Aladdin asks the genie what would he wish for? Showing that Aladdin cares about other people. Yeah. And, and also that he's so like, I, he's not selfish. He's like, yesterday or two hours ago, I had zero wishes. Now I have three. Well, I'll give you one. Yep. I still get two. So the genie obviously wishes for him to be free. He is held by the shackles of his powers, and he wants to be free. Aladdin promises to set him free after he's got his two wishes, and his first wish is to become a prince. Yeah. Jafar hypnotizes the sultan to make him marry Jasmine. Since he couldn't get the lamp, he figures, well, I can become the prince by marrying Jasmine and then Iago's like and after you marry him we'll kill Jasmine and the Sultan and you'll be the Sultan but as he's hypnotizing the Sultan into convincing him to marry Jasmine they're interrupted by the song and the arrival of Prince Ali by your smile I'm taking that you're a big fan of this song I love this song too awesome this, this song is so, and again, it, it, it's Robin Williams at the helm doing what Robin Williams, one of the many things that, that he does best. And he, I can't imagine these, like, especially like when they realized what they had on deck with Robin Williams, what they could do with Fred Like Me and Prince Ali and where they could take those songs. Yep. Be, because I don't know, I, I, and you know, Sebastian is, is a great comparison because Sebastian also is, without Sebastian having Sebastian's voice and, and the great work that that um, uh, whoever voices him does with that, like those songs in the little mermaid would be what they are. And it's the very same here. Like it's, um, I, I can't imagine anybody else. And, and I would imagine that once they realized, or I don't know what came first, if it was, they, I know they wrote the genie with Robin Williams in mind, but I have no idea if they already had these songs. And then once they got them, they realized that they could go, I know he ad-libbed a lot. I don't know if that played into any of the songs. I doesn't matter. They're fantastic and so much fun. What a fun sequence this is, their walk up to the palace. Awesome. The Sultan is excited by the arrival of Prince Ali. 
falls in love with the carpet. I mean, who would? I want a magic carpet. Yeah. Uh, Jafar. Jafar is suspicious, and starts to probe at uh, Prince Ali, trying to figure out what's going on. And they're all kind of talking about uh, how who's going to marry the princess, and the three of them are all having a discussion about the future of the princess, without the princess being there. And she busts them for being too much, uh, too, of being so patriarchal, basically. Yes. The fucking, yeah. the fucking patriarch once again rears its ugly head, and she's rightfully pissed. <laughs> yeah. She's rightfully pissed. Uh, I love this about and Jasmine. And it's a great, yep. yeah. Go ahead. No, please it's, go it's ahead. It's a great little scene. Um, it's a, it's a great little moment for Jasmine, uh, when she yells at him. What she said, like, she's very poignant, direct, just fuck you guys. I'm out. Yep. Yeah, you're, I'm not going to do what you say I have to do just because you say it. Yeah. Uh, Prince Ali slash Aladdin goes to Jasmine. He thinks, because he comes from nothing, that him just being a prince will be enough to win over Jasmine. But when she starts to push back a little bit, he flounders. He doesn't know what to do. He th has always thought that just having money and the appearance of power would be enough to win anyone over. But Jasmine isn't interested yeah. in that. And because for him, it's the end goal. It's always been the difference between the have and the have not type of people. So yep. He sees money and power as being the be all end all. If he had those things, all of his problems would be solved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the genie tries to tell him, just be yourself. But Aladdin doesn't listen. And Jasmine calls him out for basically being a piece of shit. But, <laughs> yeah. she is impressed with the carpet. Everybody, yeah. everybody loves a everybody hot, loves the carpet. <laughs> everybody loves a hot ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he decides to take her on a magic carpet ride. But what does he ask? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And she's like... I love it. You can see right there, Jasmine's like... Oh, I know who you are. Yeah, they do, they do a really good job in quite a few scenes with Jasmine's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, her eyes, when she... When they tell her to take it up with Jafar, and she says, believe me, I will. And her eyes go into, like, those little slits. Yep. And then in this scene where they, her facial expression where she's like, you see, she's smart, too. Yep. She's like, oh, I remember that line. I'm going to go along with you right here. Yeah. No, they do some good. They do a good job with her facial uh, features, her expressions. And... They take off, and the song begins. It's a whole new world. Whole new world. There, the start of the song. I will show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. It reminds me of the song from Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. It's just the tune. Yeah. Reading. Yeah, the way it kind of, the way it goes up and down. Yep. Made me think of that. Uh, it is a great song. Oscar winning song. Oscar winning. Oscar winning. They, uh, 
I, I didn't realize how fast this carpet can fly because they fly to China. Oh, yeah. Or Japan. Go, I think they go, they go to Egypt. They go to Egypt. Or I guess they, they might have been closer to Egypt. Uh, my geography's off. Middle East, Egypt, that might not have been too far. But. They, I don't know. My geography's off as well. But whatever. All in one night. Yeah. All in one night. Uh, the carpet yeah. uh, flies at a very fast pace. Uh, she traps him into admitting he's Aladdin. Yeah, well, at first he has the, the apple and the elbow. Yep. Uh, and I love, I love her face there too. Like, the wreck, she's so happy. She's so excited She's when she catches that apple and she realizes, like, confirmation for sure, it's him. Really, really, really cute facial expression from her then. Mm -hmm. uh, I love, again, like you just mentioned before, I love that show She's Not Dumb. She, imme yes. she immediately says, caps him in. Then she gives him the chance to tell the truth. Yeah. And he decides to lie. Because why? And carpet is so mad. So mad. And he lies because he's a guy. Yeah. Guys are dumb. <laughs> but they kiss. They do. Once they get back to the thing, uh, with the help of the carpet, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, and then he's kidnapped. Aladdin is kidnapped and thrown into the sea, the lake, the ocean. I don't know what it was. A body of water. Yeah. The lamp falls out. Aladdin tries to reach it. Fails. But it slips down into his hand, and the genie comes out. And because he loves Aladdin so much, uses a simple motion of the head as a wish to save his life. Yeah. Jafar hypnotizes the Sultan. Aladdin arrives, saying, nice try, I'm not dead. What I like in this scene, uh, Iago stops himself from swearing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aladdin frees the Sultan from the spell. He notices that the staff is responsible, but Jafar escapes. Iago is mm, packing up to make their escape. But Jafar is it's hysterical. Hysterical. <laughs> yeah. He has seen the lamp in Aladdin's and he gets Iago to steal the lamp. The genie and Aladdin are having a chat. The genie reminds Aladdin of his promise to set him free. Aladdin, overcome with self doubt, says he can't let the genie go. Now, I understand this is here for dramatic tension and all that. The thing is, is that why would he need the genie? He's already been made a prince. He can't get the genie to help him out in any other way without using up a wish. So why does, yeah. he, need the, why does he need the genie? I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably just the self-doubt. Okay. That may, maybe that, like... He knows on some level it could all be taken away or just wondering. Yeah. Like the genie can't I'm do anything like... more without him using a wish, so I don't understand why he still needs the genie. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I know why. It's for for the dramatic tension. Yeah, yeah. For the to... movie purpose we know why. Yeah. Again, 
it's just stuff when you're it's just stuff you notice when you're looking at it critically instead of just watching something be entertained you just start to f yeah. you start to find little things doesn't hurt the movie just an honest question nope. genie is obviously hurt and angry and then iago steals the lamp pretty fucking easily <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i had a magical lamp i'm gonna kind of keep it under like like lock and key yeah, even, even when I'm mad at it, I'm going to maybe do a little more than put it under a pillow. Yeah. Uh, Jafar gets the lamp. Genie comes out, realizes he has a new master, and Jafar uses his first wish to be the sultan. What I love in this scene, after he becomes sultan, uh, he tells... The sultan, he tells the former sultan, and Jasmine to bow down to him. And I love, Jasmine refuses, but the sultan was about to until he sees, yeah, he sees that his daughter isn't going to, and then he quickly corrects himself. It's so funny. Yeah. It's just such a good little touch. It is, It's and it's yeah. it's a minor little touch, and when you catch it, it just makes the scene even better. It, it really does. It makes me, like, the sultan is so roly-poly, yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's so perfect. I love that little moment. Jafar uses his second wish. He's just ripping through the wishes. Yeah. He wants to become a sorcerer. So uh, he's now an all-powerful sorcerer. He makes them bow using his magic. He reverts Aladdin back to normal. And then shoots Aladdin, Abu, and the carpet off to the Arctic. Yeah. Uh... Which I guess, which the good thing with this is that we set up in the whole new world scene is that the carpet can obviously fly very fast because yes. the carpet gets them back very fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Iago gets his revenge with the crackers. This scene was a little, t like this torture scene was a little, I was like, whoa, this scene goes, I don't remember it being so dark. And I mean, and when I say I don't remember, I watch a lot of every year yeah, yeah. at least once but i but watching it this time a little bit more critically i was like oh this scene is dark yep because there's that where he's torturing the, the sultan yeah and jafar then, has uh, jasmine in chains in chains and then is about to hit her yep i was like oh i don't remember caring about this at all when i was younger yep uh Jasmine sees Aladdin's return and then starts to distract Jafar. And this goes to show how fragile the male ego is in that a simple pretty girl talking about how great he is can easily distract him from everything going on around him. Get your jaw drop. Another jaw drop joke. <laughs> and then she, ki I mean she, she kisses Jafar. And I don't blame J Jafar because Jasmine in that red outfit with the pony, like she looks smoking hot. She is smoking hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she yeah. looks really good there. Yeah. And not not the innocent blue outfit, the like smoking hot red outfit. Yep. <laughs> red is passion. And uh, only Disney princess to kiss a villain. Yep. Still to this day. Yeah, I was trying to think because I know people argue about Hans in Frozen, but they don't actually They, they don't kiss. actually kiss. They come close. They come close, and then he tells her 
his motive. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Jasmine. Does what it takes. Yep. Slut. What? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I am not. I am never one to slut. No. Never one to slut shame. No. Good for her. Yeah. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. Yeah. Uh, Jafar and Aladdin I fight. The, I also oh. love the little moment where his little side moment where the genie looks at his finger. And he like does like sorry I know they can't see me but you know when after when she starts stroking Jafar's ego and the genie is like looking at his finger like this and he, like trying to see where he maybe did something I thought that was really sweet too. Uh, Jafar and Aladdin fight. Uh, Jafar turns Abu into a toy, unravels the carpet. Jafar becomes a giant snake. As I'm watching this entire scene, I'm like. Doesn't being a sorcerer look like it's more powerful than a genie? Yeah. Or what's the difference? Yeah. Other than being a in a land, like, yeah, I seems like it was the same. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is a moment in here that I've always thought might be one of the coolest moments, like one of the coolest badass moments in a Disney film. Uh, it's when. Aladdin rides the jewel like a surfboard with the sword. I yeah. I always thought that was one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, that is a cool scene. Yeah, it's just it's a quick moment. He's literally riding a jewel. I think he slices around. I think he uses it to to get to Jasmine trapped in that hourglass to free her. Yeah. Um Aladdin once again, which they've set up is incredibly intelligent very cunning and instead of defeating Jafar by some type of brute force or fight he tricks him uses his intellect into mm -hmm. making Jafar a genie which comes with being trapped in the lamp as part of it uses his intelligence what I love or I feel bad for is as he's being sucked in the lamp he grabs Iago yeah dick move yeah dick move now, when Jafar is shot out into space or wherever he gets shot by the genie and Iago's in the lamp, if someone finds that lamp, will Iago come out with Jafar? You know, I'm trying to remember what happens. I know I've seen Return of Jafar. I have not. And well, it's, it's obviously like all the second ones that kind of come out are not not great. Yeah, uh, not the same actors and stuff. But um, I I feel like they come out together and they're like squabbling still, like because they've been living in this lamp together. Like I know, but I don't call me because I've obviously only seen it once and it was forever and ever and ever and ever ago. But I feel like in the Return of Jafar, Jafar and Iago are still like. They come out of the lamp together. Okay. So I, I, I just always found it, I just find it fascinating. Like, Iago obviously deserves his comeuppance as well, but he didn't get made into a genie, so why does he have to go in there? No. <laughs> uh, Aladdin frees the genie, follows up on his promise. The one thing I always notice every time in the scene when the genie is freed is how different the character looks without the wristbands on yes it's I, it, really it's really it's a it's a it's what looks to be a minor thing but when they come off it completely changes the look of that character totally i know i agree it, it, yeah there's something about 
I 100% agree. I also really like that they, and I mean, of course they did. Of course they would do it this way, but that they they do. He does free the genie before the Sultan changes the law. Yep. I mean, of course, it's, of course, they're going to write it that way, but I still just like that. Yeah, of course, of course, uh, it's a very touching moment. The Sultan, like you said, changes the law so they can marry. The genie leaves on his vacation. We have fireworks, and the movie is over. And that's it. Easy peasy. That's Aladdin. Yeah. Easy peasy. Any last thoughts so on Aladdin fun. before I get into trivia? No, let's get into it. All right. During the course of recording the voices, the late Robin Williams improvised so much that they had almost 16 hours of material. Incredible. Uh, originally, Jafar was more hot-tempered, while Iago was a cool, haughty British type. The filmmakers felt that having Jafar losing his temper too much made him less menacing, so the personalities of the two characters mm -hmm. were switched. I agree. Great decision. Oh, 100%. Right call. That was the right call. Because Robin Williams ad-libbed so many of his lines, the script was rejected for a Best Adapted Screenplay Academy Award nomination. That's so... I've heard that one before. And that, I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, it doesn't qualify the rules, but I, I would never have thought of that being something that would have cost a movie an adapted... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, or... Yeah, adapted screenplay. The opening scene with the street merchant was completely unscripted. Robin Williams was brought into the soundstage and was asked to stand behind a table that had several objects on it and a bed sheet covering them all. The animators asked him to lift the sheet and, without looking, take an object from the table and describe it in character. Much of the material in that recording session was not appropriate for a Disney film. <laughs> I love that. This is what we were talking about with Arabian Nights. A section of the original lyric for the opening song, Arabian Nights, was altered after the movie's theatrical release. Arab-American groups claimed that it was racist, so the line was changed. Listening closely, a distinct vocal change can be heard when the singer gets to, quote, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. The lyrics in the film's opening song, Arabian Nights, were originally, oh, I come from a land from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam, where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Obviously, the concept of cutting off ears was what gave offense. Although the film had already been released, Disney agreed to change it on the video release and any subsequent theatrical releases, and so the new lines, where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense, replaced the two offensive lines. Now, this states that it was, it was that way on video, but I, f I feel that that's not true. I, I feel like the VHS copies had the original line, but this is saying that's not true, so I don't know. Because I remember, I swear, I remember the cut off the ears so distinctly, so many times that I find it hard to believe that I only saw this movie once in the theater, and it's the version that I remember the most. No, and I would, I swear, I also remember it so well. You know what? I wonder. I'm pretty sure. I'll move around here. I'm pretty sure I have an Aladdin. Piano book, and I because I mean I'm sure it's changed, but it'd be just kind of neat to see it. Okay, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. Maybe I don't. I thought I did. Okay. 
Nope, just kidding. I don't. I'm, okay. Uh, no worries. No worries. Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid. <laughs> All right. Um, whenever yeah, I'm gonna check. I definitely have an Aladdin CD, and I'm gonna check that. Okay. Um, whenever Aladdin tells a lie, the big purple feather on his turban falls and covers his face. That was why I watched it again I last. I figured. Yeah, I only and I only caught two. I thought there'd be like four or five, mm. but I could have missed them. But I only caught two times, and it was obviously when he pretend at at the end of the magic carpet ride, and then once on the balcony right before that. Uh. Production designer Richard Vanderwend devised a simple color scheme for the film inspired by his desert setting. Blue, water, stands for good, red, heat, for evil, and yellow, sand, is neutral. For example, the villainous Jafar is clad in blacks and reds, while the virtuous Jasmine wears blue. Another example is in the Cave of Wonders, where the lamp's chamber is blue and the ruby that tempts Abu is bright red. When Iago pulls a picture of him and Jafar out of his cage and the line, quote, and uh, how about this picture? I don't know. I think I'm making a weird face in it, end quote, was ad-libbed by Gilbert Gilfried, and Robin Williams could not stop laughing when he heard it. Robin Williams provided the voice for the genie at union scale rate, so he was paid $75,000. He did it on the promise that his voice was not used for merchandising, and that the genie character not take up more than 25% of the space of a poster, ad, billboard, or trailer. When these wishes were not granted, he withdrew his support for Disney and the film. As a result, his name was not included in the Art of Aladdin book. It makes constant references to the voice of the genie. And he was not available for the direct-to-video sequel Aladdin 2 The Return of Jafar or the Aladdin 1994 TV show. Dan Castellaneta filled in as the voice of the genie for these productions. For those that don't know, Dan Castellaneta is the voice of Homer Simpson. In an attempt to get back on good terms with Williams, Walt Disney CEO Michael Eisner apologized to him with a peace offering of an original Pablo Picasso painting. Still angered and feeling betrayed by Disney, Williams would not accept the gift. It was not until Disney chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg was fired and replaced with Joe Roth, Joe Roth, sorry, that Williams made peace with Disney. Through Roth, a public apology was given, promises to right wrongs were kept, and Williams was so touched that he returned to reprise his role as the genie for the second direct-to-video sequel, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Disney was so thrilled that they threw out the previously completed recording sessions with Castellaneta. Robin Williams initially refused to take the role of the genie, since it was a Disney movie, and he did not want the studio profiting by selling toys and novelty items based on the movie. He accepted the role with certain conditions. Quote, I'm doing it basically because I want to be part of this animation tradition. I want something for my children. One deal is I just don't want to sell anything, as in Burger King, as in toys, as in stuff. End quote. Disney, the marketing machine, gets a superstar actor for $75,000 and then basically goes against all the promises they made. I I didn't know any of that. <laughs> and I'm not, not that I would necessarily, but I, you know, you, you kind of hear about feuds that actors have with studios and stuff like that. And I mean, I would not, I definitely would never have known it 
back when I was 12. Mm -hmm. But I, I, ne I didn't know any of that. Oh, I, I knew all about that. You knew, hey, yeah, not me. Yeah, sad, hey. Yeah. Um, Jasmine's appearance was influenced by Jennifer Connelly, most likely from her appearance in the movie Labyrinth. Really? Yep. In early visual development, Aladdin resembled Michael J. Fox. As the film developed, Jeffrey Katzenberg did not think Aladdin had enough appeal to women, so he asked Aladdin to be beefed up a bit to resemble Tom Cruise. <laughs> sure. Uh, Jonathan Freeman, who voiced Jafar, ended up playing the live-action version in the Broadway musical, continuing in the role until January 2022. As of that date, wow. he, he's the only performer to play the same role in both movie and Broadway productions of a Disney story. You know, one of um, the, the live-action movie, mm -hmm. or the, the remake, whatever you want to call it, that was one of the things I was super disappointed in. Have you seen it? Yes. The one with Will Smith? I, I like the actor who plays Jafar, so don't get me wrong there. I like him. I really like him in um, Old Guard. Um, but as Jafar, like, I don't know. They couldn't have gone more wrong. He's short in stature, and his voice is, like, high pitch. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I, I found him. I was so disappointed at, at that casting. Anyways. Uh, Aladdin's monkey Abu was named after the ancient Egyptian city of Abu. This translates to elephant. Because the city was known for its trade in ivory. Therefore, it is not surprising that when enchanted, Abu shifts shape into an elephant. When Aladdin <laughs> asks Genie if he can make him a prince, and, a, and the Genie looks in the recipe book at the King Crab entry, Sebastian the Crab from Little Mermaid comes out of the book, and the intro to the song Under the Scene briefly plays. Yeah. Uh, Princess I like ja that. So did I. Princess Jasmine in this movie has remained as the only Disney princess to kiss a villain. Just as you said. Uh, the kissing scene of Jasmine and Jafar caused controversy due to the fact that Jasmine was still a teenager while Jafar was a full-grown adult. Creepy. <laughs> All right, some yeah. Cassie what-ifs. Uh, during script and storyboard development, the writers were already considering Robin Williams for the role of the genie, but had not approached him for the project. In order to convince Williams to do the role, Eric Goldberg animated the genie doing several minutes of Williams' stand-up routines, including parts from his album Reality, What a Concept, and screened it for him. Williams was so impressed that he signed almost immediately. These are the other actors that were considered for the role of the genie. Albert Brooks. Okay. John Candy. Okay. John Goodman. Okay. Martin Short. Mm. Steve Martin. <laughs> they had like a wheel, a certain group, eh? <laughs> and Eddie Murphy. Oh. Okay, I would take Eddie Murphy. I would take Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Here are the people that were up for the role of Jafar. Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kelsey Grammer. 
Ooh. I think it would be hard. I think I would just hear Sideshow Bob. John Hurt. Who's that? Very famous actor. Christopher Lloyd. And Ian McKellen. I, I, oh, I think I... I think Kelsey Grammer's voice is too... I wouldn't be able to get Kelsey Grammer out of my head, although I do like that choice. I, I think I like Tim Curry, but I wouldn't... You said somebody else that I think was I thought was interesting. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And I've got one more for Jafar. Scheduling conflicts with Star Trek The Next Generation forced Patrick Stewart to turn down the role of Jafar. He has said in oh. interviews that this is his biggest regret. Oh, he would have been good, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. Fuck Star Trek. And the, fuck you. <laughs> Fucking love Star Trek. <laughs> Fucking love Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> And these two last people were considered for the role of Iago. Danny DeVito and Joe Pesci. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. They both would have been great. Yeah. Has Joe Pesci ever done this animated? Not to my knowledge. No, he's never played because we know... Danny DeVito becomes does Phil in uh, uh, Hercules. Another like if you're gonna if we're gonna pick those guys, you could have thrown in uh, uh, Jason Alexander then too. He would have been a good Iago as well. But uh, he also went on when he was in Hunchback. So. Okay, Joe Pesci did a voice for a movie called A Warrior's Tale for the English version of it. I never heard of that. And that's that's it. Let's see. Oh. You know where he would have been good? He would have been good as the the little mouse mob boss in Zootopia. Mm hmm. Okay, it's some looks like to be some type of Russian film. This movie that Joe Pesci did. That just a bunch of American actors got to do the redubbing for English. Okay. Uh, all right. Favorite quote. Start us off. What do you got? Okay. All right. Uh, number one. It begins in a dark on a dark night where a dark man waits. Nice. A dark purpose. A dark purpose. Uh, Aladdin and Jasmine at the same time. They're after me. They're after you. <laughs> Genie. Phenomenal cosmic powers. Living space. Yep. Uh, Sultan. This is my royal advisor, Jaf Jafar. He's delighted to meet you. Jafar. It's ecstatic. It, that... <laughs> That it's the line reading for ecstatic. That is an it's, excellent it's, choice. Yeah. Yep, fucking it's, love that pick. I only picked like I only said the Sultan part because it's the lead up to it. Yep, but it literally is just Jafar. It's the line reading and 
um, it's, the it's, animation yeah, it's, him it's, in that moment. It's the dead, so it's, unimpressed. It's the deadpan expression. Yeah. Um, same with this one. The, the Sultan is just the lead-up line. Um, Jafar, you vile betrayer, and Yago. That Sultan vile betrayer to you. Yep, Yago. <laughs> I like that. Um, Jafar, if you won't bow before a Sultan, then you will cower before a sorcerer. Uh, Jeannie, Al, I can't help you. I work for a senior psychopath now. And Jeannie, no matter what anybody says, you'll always be a prince to me. All right. Uh, I've got six. I've got uh, uh, one crossover. Uh, phenomenal cosmic powers. Itty bitty living space. Uh, numbers two is from the Genie. Uh, you ain't never had a friend like me. Oh, good one. That's number a good one. Th- number three is the Genie. Ooh, I like it. Muy macho. Number four <laughs> is Aladdin. Do you trust me? Oh my god, I can't believe I don't have that on here. Yeah. Number five I'm is it. number five is from the merchant. Ah, salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Ah, too close. A little too close. And my last one is from J- Princess Jasmine. How dare you, all of you, standing around deciding my future. I am not a prize to be won. Those are so good. Okay, well, I cannot believe I did not put your... That's like last time when I didn't put Ripley's punch in my favorite scene. <laughs> Damn it, Rachel. All right. And sit. What's your, what's your favorite quote? Well, it would be, do you trust me? However, I'm going to go with a static. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the joke that started off for me. Ah, salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please come closer. Ah, too close. A little too close. <laughs> I love it. Favorite scene. Uh, Start us off. All right, I have Aladdin and Jasmine talking simultaneously about feeling trapped. Uh, the scene, uh, so that's the scene in Aladdin's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have just a moment where Jasmine frees the birds after her and her dad are talking. I think it's just a really great animation shot. Nice. Um, wow, good for I you. Have... Look at you. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, carpet teases Abu. Okay. I have a friend like me, I guess, friend like me music video. Yeah, that works. Friend like me musical number, that'll work. Yeah, Prince Ali musical number. Okay. And Genie is freed. All right. I've got uh, the one jump ahead musical number. I've got uh, friend like me musical number. A whole new world musical number. <laughs> the climactic battle. And oh, that's it. So I only have four. All right. What is your favorite scene? Friend like me, musical number. Yeah, same here. Close second. Yeah, I, I had half. It, yeah. Close second, carpet teases a boo. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Yeah, definitely friend like me. For this podcast only, we're going to rank the songs. There are five songs. Rachel, rank your songs for me. Starting at number five. Five uh, through number, one. Starting with no, oh, number five? Yeah. 
Number five, Arabian Nights. Okay. Number four, A Whole New World. Okay. Number three, One Jump Ahead. Yep. Number two, Prince Ali. Yep. Number one, Friend Like Me. All right. We only have two songs in the same spot. Oh. My number five song is Prince Ali. Okay. My number four song is the same as yours, A Whole New World. My number three song is Arabian Nights. My number two song is One Jump Ahead, and we share the same number one friend like me. All right, closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Um, no. Is this work? Is can I add a category here? <laughs> Go ahead. I would like to add. I know it's one. I think we talked about it on like What If Wednesday when we used to do that. But I have always felt that a good category that the Oscars could add is Best Voice Acting, mm-hmm. and it obviously stems from this performance of Robin Williams as the genie. But I would argue, when I've had this conversation with other people as well, I I have argued for um, other characters such as um, Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy, Gollum in Lord of the Rings, um, but you know, yeah. Toy Story, pick a, pick a character, Woody, Buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just think when I, I don't, I'm sure I don't need to explain the merit of that category, but I think when somebody can in an who's doing a voice on an animated movie can take you to a level and make you feel things and do what Robin Williams did here or like what Tom Hanks does with Woody um or when it's somebody like you can't even reckon like if you didn't know it was Bradley Cooper you wouldn't know it was him as Rocket mm-hmm. I think there's merit there for a category all right I can't really argue with you I would love for the Academy to start recognizing voice work or um, CG, no, uh, you know, like CGI work, like, uh, yeah, you know, like, like, have, did you have, did you recently watch the Planet of the Apes trilogy? Yes. Yeah. Incredible. His work as Caesar is unfucking believable. Unbelievable. I can't believe I had not seen, like, those movies blew me away. Yeah. And. And. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I agree. Like, he. Like, just give him an Oscar for some, like. I mean, I guess he would have won. Would he have gotten one for some of the Lord of the Rings as, like, a part of the cast? N- no. No. See, it'd be interesting because then it would be, like, sort of where do you draw the line? Because. Oh, so by the way, with the term, hold just one quick second. For those that don't know, we're talking about Andy Circus, by the way. Oh yes. <laughs> like it would be, like where do you draw the line of? Does the person doing the voice acting is he never together with the other actors? But then that eliminates people who should clearly be in that role. Is it just for Andy? Because I don't know how it is. Like, because Rocket was probably in the studio with other people but it's still very clearly just voice acting but then now somebody like Gollum where it's voice acting but also CGI motion capture that's the word that's the word I was looking for motion capture motion capture 
where he is interacting like he's not just in a recording studio he is interacting with the with the characters because i would yeah that's very interesting yeah i'm i'm with you i i don't i don't know maybe hopefully one day but you know you and i want yeah. the, you and i want the uh, the oscars to be an even longer uh yeah yeah a longer show ad categories yeah <laughs> anyways okay so th- we can't Less really bit more categories yeah so we can't really uh we we can't really reward uh, any performances? Uh, what other aspects of the film were award worthy? So it did get nominated for sound and songs. What was your number two song? Prince Ali. Ali. Okay, so A Whole New World won. You had that as number yeah. four. So you would have liked to have seen a Friend Like Me. Uh. There's two songs from Aladdin, two songs from The Bodyguard, and one song from The Mambo Kings in the best original song. Okay, and the ones from The Bodyguard are Run Run to Me? Run, Run to, to you, you, and I Have Nothing. Because I Will Always Love You is ineligible because it's not an original to cover. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Every time I look at the Oscars for this year, every single time I get to that category, I... Do I have the same moment where I go, what the fuck? Yeah. I will always love you. And then I go, I already know this answer. <laughs> and every and like obviously right now because we're doing 92s, I'm constantly looking at that list. One and th- I do it every single time. Quick question. Quick question. We won't we won't dive into it too long. But is there a more iconic song to a film than I will always love you in the bodyguard? Uh, time of your life, dirty dancing. No. No. Uh, close. You could make an um, ar- you can make an argument for top ten. Top ten. No. See, I can't think of one either. I'm, no, I'm dis- I'm it's di- that one. And I'm discount. I'm obviously I'm discounting musicals. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I yeah. It's that one. All right. Okay. So. So who am I taking out? Well, do you want Prince? Do you think Prince Ali is worthy of a nomination? Um. No. If you've got friend like me in there, Prince Ali doesn't have to be there. Okay. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think. Uh, I don't think anything should be in there. Uh, the adapted screenplay. I I don't really care too much about the ad-libbing because there was a movie that was almost all entirely ad-libbed and it got a, an adapted screenplay nomination. Not this year. Uh, Secrets and Lies got a, a screenplay nomination. And, there was and it was all ad-libbed? There was a lot of improvisation, yeah. Do you want to hmm. know what won best adapted screenplay that year? And then you'll immediately want Aladdin in there? Oh, fuck. Howard's End. There you go. That that one. Yeah, take that out. Put Aladdin in. Uh, well, and I wouldn't, like, oh. I, I go back and forth on, on, I mean, obviously I loved that Beauty and the Beast got the nomination that year, and I made an argument for Lion King, but in all honesty, like, I think animated film and live film, the they're two very different things, both equally merit and deserving of Best Picture, but that's what Best Animated is. 
Whereas I do feel very strongly that a movie could be best foreign and best picture. I'm okay with animated having its own category. Now, nowadays, when there's a hundred movies in the best act, best uh, movie category, yeah, sure, throw an animated movie in there. I, Back I, in '92, when there was five. Sorry. I was. I'm like, are you gonna make? Are you gonna make an argument to put Aladdin in the best picture race? I thought that's what you were doing. No. You had me. You no, had, no. You I, had me. Convi no. You convinced me with Lion King. I convinced you with Lion King, but who am I taking? I'm taking out Howard Zen. You can take yeah, out. I'll take uh, it out. You can take out Unforgiven, The Crying Game, A Few Good Men, Howard no. Zen, or Scent of a Woman. Well, the only one I, I the only one I haven't seen is Crying Game, so I can't take that out. Okay. I I mean, oh. Yeah, I would take out Howard's End. Like, cultural impact, the movie itself. Like, we're going, we're going from the most boring to like one of the most entertaining movies. <laughs> um, giving us the genie, and what and what that did for animation. Yeah, I would put I would put Aladdin in there over Howard's End, easily. All right. But that I mean. I don't think it's all personal because I hated at Howard's End. <laughs> I think Aladdin is more deserving. And it's the number one grossing movie of the year. Is that? Yeah, I put Aladdin in there. So the number one grossing movie of the year should automatically get entered into the best picture race? Nope, nope, nope. It's just a point. It's just a fact. <laughs> just checking. That helps the case a was, little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just <laughs> checking. No, no, no. But yeah, but even like going back to like I would put Aladdin in over Howard's End. However, back in the day when there was only five nominations, I'm okay with animated staying in animated. There was more there, inclined. Was, there was no feature length animated Oscar back then. There wasn't any. Nope. Oh then yeah, Aladdin's in. <laughs> end is out. When did they start doing it? Uh, the next year? No, no, it didn't happen for years. Oh fuck! Oh yeah. My guess, my day. guess is around two thousand one. Oh yeah, then Aladdin did. My guess was definitely two thousand one. Oh, I'm fucking right. I love myself. Wow. 2001 is the first time. So you've seen all of them. I'm missing the crying game. Oh, yeah, I've seen them all, yeah. I'll have the crying game watched. And in fact... In the next couple weeks. Out of... Hold on. I just want to double check here. Taking out... Then definitely. Taking out the, like, foreign film and documentaries... I think, okay, hold on. So every other category, all the major categories. One, two. I'll do this as quickly as I can. Three. Uh, I'm, I'm taking out, I'm taking out original song. I'm only missing five films to have gotten a nomination. 
Wow. So I've seen okay. I'll, well, I'll, I've seen all the best pictures. I'm missing one from best director. I've seen all the best actor. I've seen all the best actress. I've seen all the best supporting actor. I am missing one supporting actress. I've seen all of the original screenplay. I am missing one from uh, uh, adapted screenplay, which shares a nomination for best supporting actress. I have seen uh, all of the best original score. I've seen all the best original song except for one, so that's three. I've seen all best sound effects editing. I've seen all best sound. I've seen all except one of best art direction. I'm missing one. I've seen four of the five best cinematographies. I've seen all the best makeup. I've seen all the best costume design except for one, which shares a nomination in best art direction. I've seen all the best film editing except for one, and I've seen all the best visual effects. Wow. Yep. I felt like I did really good in 93. I, I got a lot under my belt, but... This one has movies that I'm just not interested in. <laughs> That's totally fair. I'm going to totally, try to get totally fair. I try to get a few more in. All right. Uh, what was the weak link of the film? I I struggled with this one a bit, and I landed on like, I, I guess a little racism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's this is the weak link of the film with 30 years hindsight. We have white yeah. pe- we have white people playing people of color. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a whitewashed cast. Yeah. yeah. Was this anyone's career highlight? I mean, it's, it's on Williams' highlight reel. 100%. Uh, the guy who played Aladdin? Uh, Scott Weininger? He yeah. was also a series regular on Full House. Oh. Or Fuller House. That would have been... <sighs> so, was he on Full House or just Fuller? Both. Okay, so that would have been his career highlight. Um, The guy who played Jeff... No, because he plays... The guy that played... played... He's J- been playing Jafar. Yeah, but... He's been playing him for 30 years on Broadway. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> even though playing it 30 years on Broadway... I'm sorry... Nobody it thinks started it, here. It start it started here, and nobody's like, "Hey, that's the guy that plays Jafar on Broadway." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, "That's the guy from Jafar, from Aladdin." From Aladdin, yeah, yeah. So his animators, or no, they would have gone on to do Lion King. Yeah. What about do you think? You can go. You can go down the list. It's it. It can be anybody's, basically, except for Robin Williams. Yeah. All right. Will this make anyone's career? Hi- will this make anyone's highlight reel? It of course make Robin Williams. This is probably in his top five. Yeah. Uh, everyone else, obviously, it's making their highlight reel. Like yeah. we said before, this is the easiest one. MVP of the film, it's Robin Williams. Yep. Like a slam dunk. Hundred percent. What will be this film's legacy? Robin Williams. As the genie. Yeah, it's the it's the the film trailblazing. Yeah, it's the start it's the start of the superstar voice actor. Yeah. Would you watch this movie again? Definitely. Every year, apparently, to you. Every year, I well, I watch it and I watched it twice in the last two days. <laughs> and I and I wouldn't like 
that's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch this movie all the time. Would you recommend this my movie? Third, it's my third favorite Disney movie. Mm. Exclu excluding Pixar? Ex exclu uh, including. Really? Pixar. Including Pixar? This is number three. Yeah. yeah. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Oh, and, and they go chronology chronologically they as well. Almost. Rescuers Down Under is between Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. No, your you're one, two, and three are in chronological order. Oh, yeah, they still are. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they are. And my fourth is actually Lion King. A little bit of a renaissance freak, are you? I, I am... I'm a Disney Renaissance. That's my Disney jam. Wow. That's that's my favorite Disney selection of movies. Most of my, if I had to make a top 10, most of them would be from that period. But I'm like, I'm, I'm nine, nine to 19 in that time frame. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I get it. Not that that matters, but no, it does. That's, that's why those are in, in, those are formative thought, years. Right? Yeah, and that these are the movies that made me the Disney super fan that I am. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight. I'm not that one. Nine, ten. Ten of my top twenty, I'd seen by the time I was nineteen. Oh wow! Yeah, I always split them up, though, when I do... It's too hard. It hurts my brain. When I try to do, like, Disney top tens for things, and I don't split them up between... Not the, not my not my Disney top 20. My all-time top 20. My all-time top... Oh, your all-time. My all-time top 20. Ten of them I'd seen before I turned 19 years old. Oh, I, I bet you would be the same for me. Yeah, definitely for that. Yeah. When, when did you turn 19? 1999? Yeah. November. Okay, so I could do I could do a rough count because I got your list right here. So yeah, mm, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen of your top twenty you saw before you were nineteen. Wow. Yeah. That's what... I have to do that list over again. No, oh, I can't I wait to get... I have I... some more... I can't wait to get the updated list. All right, Rachel, your final thoughts on Aladdin. Okay, so my final thoughts. Uh, like I stated in the beginning, I, I do think this is... For me, this is the most fun Disney movie. Um, it's lighthearted. It's just a, so entertaining to watch. But... The, the biggest highlight and the real reason to watch this, if for no other reason, is Robin Williams as the genie um, showing us really for the first time when you get a talented, famous actor 
um, on board elevating Disney's like incredible um, animation skills. And it's not just that like the Robin Williams genie, the way he was able to blend uh, charisma and comedic timing and familiarity and heart. Um, you know, the performance wasn't just about jo jokes and doing funny voices. There, he brought a great deal of heart to the genie, uh, making genie's relationship with Aladdin feel really sincere. And I think it, all of that combined is what elevated Aladdin for me. And it is when you hit that 35-minute mark, when you, when you first get introduced to the genie, the movie goes to a whole other level. I love watching this movie. I really like Jasmine as a princess in the movie. I think Jafar's a great villain. The animation is incredible, and the songs are so much fun. They're some of my all-time favorite Disney songs. I love this movie. This is a animation classic. It's a movie I've watched well north of 20 times, probably close to 50. It's absolutely enjoyable. Robin Williams absolutely kills it it's like rachel said arguably one of the greatest voice performances in animated film of all time it changed the game this was one of my favorite animated films until toy story came along i'd have to sit down and make a real list to see if it still holds up aladdin is just pure joy whatsoever if somebody watches this movie and doesn't like it i i feel sorry for them I don't see how you could watch yeah. something so fun and light and fluffy and watch it and just be rolling your eyes the whole time. What a, what a sorry, sad life you must lead. Uh, it's, it's a, it's an absolutely enthralling film. That is a, a joy. It just brings smiles to your face the whole time. Rach, what do you give in this movie out of five? It's a five. It's a five out of five. <laughs> It's a five for me as well. Uh, I really? Yeah. Oh, I, I love it. I won't lie. It. This is the first time I've watched it, and it came close to a four. Fair. I. But I think what it was is that I was watching it too critically, and wasn't just watching yeah. the movie. So I think as yeah. I was watching it and taking the notes, my enjoyment dropped a little because I wasn't able to just relax and watch the movie. But uh, it was right. it was all it was almost a four for me. But it's still a five. It's still a five. Uh, yeah. All right, next week we continue with our 1992 <laughs> films with Reservoir Dogs, where yeah. I have another special guest. Rachel comes back, back to back <laughs> weeks, back to back yeah. weeks. <laughs> Back to bad. This month, I, I was actually telling somebody earlier today, I was like, usually I go on two or three times a year, but uh, August is just going to be, or I, no, the last one was in July. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Like the summer. It's a, it's a summer of Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel and Jordan. Yeah. Uh, again, it's greatly appreciated. I'm really excited to talk about uh, Quentin Tarantino's directorial debut. It's going to be... It's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be good. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, before I get into social media, once again, I want to thank you, Rachel, for coming in and stepping in for Sam while he takes a break. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. 
uh, it's probably nice because we picked a movie I enjoy, so I don't get to rip you apart as I normally do. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got like. No, I love coming on. I, I, I love, love. I love having you on. Oh, thank you. I I do miss Sam. Oh, everybody misses. Everybody misses. Yeah, Sam. misses presence and, but I love coming on and I especially love when I get to come on and talk Disney. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. You give us a five-star rating and a positive review. It does increase the profile of our podcast. allows more people to find us. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterboxd. And if you're a movie fan, you're not on Letterboxd. You are doing yourself a disservice. They are not a sponsor of this podcast, but I cannot praise enough or I cannot heap enough praise onto that incredible app. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Manny42. You can follow Rachel at... What are you on at Letterboxd? Rachink123. Rachink123. Maybe just Rachink. Yeah. Let me double check. Where are you? Something like that. No, it's Rachink Corp. Oh, right. Incorporated. That's yeah. why. Yeah. That's my last name. Rachink Corp. Uh, is, uh, is Rachel on Letterboxd. Please, I, I implore you. If you're not on Letterboxd and you like movies, you need to get on that app as soon as possible. It is a godsend. I would have given anything to have this movie, this app, even though there's no such thing as that. back in the 90s. I would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, right? I would have been in heaven. Oh, it's a great app. Um, blah, 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 blah. Am I missing anything? You can follow us on Facebook, Sammy Manu Podcast. Who cares? Let's get this show over with. We're getting close to midnight. For the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Hey, Manny. Made you look. I'm Rachel Quirk. Adios!